Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. It surprises some people to hear that God has a dream and God does have a dream and it's a very important dream. In fact, it's the entire theme of the Bible. And sometimes we get so close to the Bible that we forget what it's about. And we, we, you say, well, what's the Bible about? Well, it's about not making God mad. Well, it's about God wants your money. Well, it's about you know, do the do's and don't do the don'ts or something like that. We, we get close to the Bible and we know certain doctrines or certain points, but we don't really understand the point of the Bible. But let me just solve the mystery right now. God wants a family. God has a dream of a family. Now, theologically speaking, it's important to understand God doesn't need anything. God is self-existent. God needs nothing outside of himself to exist. And if he did, he couldn't be God and it wouldn't be a good thing. But God is self-existent. But even though God doesn't need anything, he wants something. He wants a family. In fact, he wants the family so bad he was willing to die to get it. In John three sixteen, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The story of the Bible is very simple. God wants a family and he created Adam and Eve to produce a family for him. He commanded them to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth with a family. And God lived with them and it was God's intent to live with them forever on this earth. But they sinned, they rebelled against him. But in spite of that, from the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain because God knew they would rebel, but he had a plan of salvation to get him a family anyway. And Jesus came to pay for our sins so that we can become family members of God. And I'm saying right now, if you're a believer, you're family. If you're a believer, you're my family. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you're my brother and sister in Christ. And listen, you're more my family than my blood family who doesn't know Jesus. And you've heard the old saying that blood is thicker than water. I believe that's true. But listen to this, spirit is thicker than blood. This is Mark chapter 14. This is a story about Jesus being in Bethany. Mark 14, being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask, poured it on his head, but there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they sharply criticized her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good, but me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. So Jesus is in Bethany. The word Bethany means house of misery or house of depression. It's a bad place. And he's at the home of Simon the leper. And leprosy was a horrible, incurable disease that your limbs fell off and you ultimately died. And Jesus is at the home of a leper and a woman came and poured out a vial, a very costly, an alabaster flask, a very costly perfume that was one, worth one year's wage. A denarii was one day's wage for an average uh, workman in those days. And it was worth 300 denarii. So let's say $50,000. 
This woman came with a flask of perfume worth $50,000 and broke it and poured it out on Jesus to anoint him for burial. And when she did that, they began to complain. And why didn't you give that to the poor? And they begin to complain. And then Jesus corrects them. And Jesus says to them, anywhere the gospel is preached in all the world, what she just did, I want you to talk about it. So literally what I'm doing right now is in obedience to the command of Jesus. I'm honoring this woman according to the command of Jesus Christ. Wherever the gospel is preached, tell what she did. Okay, that's what we're doing. And Judas, at that, got up and betrayed Jesus. That was the event that caused Judas to betray Jesus. So here's, here's some questions. Why was Jesus in such a bad place talking to a leper? I mean, why in the world would Jesus be at the house of misery talking to a leper? Okay, now let me answer the question, God's dream. Simon the leper was God's dream. You say, yuck. He had leprosy. Well, God doesn't see people the way we see people. See, we're human beings and we have a tendency to think that healthy people are better than sick people or wealthy people are better than poor people or attractive people are better than less attractive people. God doesn't see like that because he's not shallow, he's God. When he sees us, he sees the child he made in our mother's womb. There's never a physical description of Jesus in the Bible because it doesn't matter, he's the son of God and we don't compare him to other people physically to decide if we're gonna love him or not. And God doesn't compare us to other people physically to decide if he's gonna love us or not. God loves us because we're his children and he loves Simon even though he had leprosy. Somebody say praise the Lord. That's good news. You're God's dream. You're God's dream. And you may say, Jimmy, I've done a lot of bad things. You're God's dream. Jimmy, I'm not the person I wanna be. You're God's dream. You are God's dream. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your education level is. It doesn't matter how much money you don't have in your pocket. You are God's dream. He values you. Another question. Why was the woman's gift of perfume so important that Jesus would command that she be memorialized wherever the gospel is preached? Because she didn't give perfume. She gave her dream. Women, women don't think like men. W- women plan things out. And when it comes to being married, this was her dowry. She was saving this. This wasn't perfume. This was her dowry. This was her marriage. This was her children. This was her house with a white picket fence. This was her future. She had been saving. She had been planning. But she decided one day that Jesus was more important than her dream. And literally, she laid down her dream so God could have his dream. The gospel can only be preached by people who value God's dream over their dream. When I was a kid growing up, I never dreamed of being a doctor, a lawyer, or anything like that. I dreamed of being an athlete. Is I loved athletics, and I was good in athletics, and my favorite sport was baseball, but I had to have surgery because of injuries from sports, and I have a big scar on my elbow here, so that kind of put me out of the baseball business, so I took up golf. So when I was in high school, I play, started playing golf and, and didn't compete in high school, but played in high school and played in college. And then Karen and I got married. But when Karen and I got married, I, I golfed all the time with my friends. I shot you know, mid to low 70s. And I thought to myself, I had this dream within me. I was in my early 20s and I thought, you know, if I can shave three or four strokes off my score, you know, I might be able to go pro. Well, I wasn't good enough. I, I would have never made it, but still I had that dream. Well, I would come home from playing golf and Karen would meet me at the door. Uh, I'm very unhappy with me. 
uh, because I had not been with her and the kids and I was checked out. I was either working or golfing and when I came home, I was just zonked. And she began to complain and she was contesting me playing golf, but it was more than playing golf, it was, it was my dream. Research proves that the worst fights in marriage are on a dream level. When you're spending too much money, you're not just spending too much money, you're threatening my dream of having a secure home. When you won't come home and be with the kids, you're not just being distant, you're threatening my dream of having a, a family that loves each other and spends time together. Our worst fights are on a dream, you're messing with my dream. See, Karen had a righteous dream when we got married and Karen's dream was to have a godly family. She wanted me to be a godly husband. She wanted us to have a, a Bible-based family because neither one of us were raised in a home of, with our parents being saved. She wanted, she wanted to have a godly family with Christ in the middle of our marriage. That was her dream, my dream was golf. And one night I came in and she had been nagging about me playing golf for a long time and I came in and she was still nagging and I said, uh, get out of the house and go back to your mother and father. And I was, out, I was out of love with Karen at that point. We had fought so much we were numb. She went in the bedroom crying and uh, that's the night the Lord broke through my heart and uh, Karen had been praying for me and we went to church every Sunday but I was an idiot and I was a terrible husband. I was just a very sanctified idiot. But that night I was sitting in the living room. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, I didn't know how to keep her and I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know what to do. And, um, it was like scales fell off my eyes. I don't know how to describe it. One, one minute I thought I was a perfect husband and I was married to you know, this horrible wife. And the next minute I just saw what an idiot I was, what a jerk I was. And I went in the bedroom and I apologized to Karen for the first time in our married life. And I said these words to Karen, I'm hanging my golf clubs up. But I wasn't hanging my golf clubs up, I was laying my dream down. I'll never be an athlete, I'll never I'll never be a full-time athlete. That's been my dream since the time I was a little boy. I'll never be an athlete. I'm dying to that, okay? And I laid it down. Well, it, it healed our marriage. Me laying that down. See, my dream was a bad dream. You, you can always tell your dream's a bad dream because it's somebody else's nightmare. <laughs> Karen had a righteous dream. I had a selfish dream. And I laid my dream down. When I laid my golf clubs down, I laid my dream down. And our marriage was healed. And several years later, when our marriage was healed, I remember Karen walking up to me and saying, why don't you go play golf? And I said, excuse me, I just think I heard Jesus. <laughs> well, Karen doesn't mind me playing golf. She just minds golf coming before her. And today I have sports. I play golf. I've watched sports on TV. I love, I'm just, I'm just in heaven in sports but I serve Jesus first and I serve my wife second. And all my other dreams come way down here. So that was the first dream I had to lay down. Second, I, was raised, I wasn't raised in poverty, but I was raised down the street from it. And uh, I worked from the time I was 10 years old. I mowed yards, I, I, I threw newspapers at four in the morning for many years. I went on Saturday morning to the donut store and filled a wagon with donuts, went door to door and sold donuts. I hauled hay, I plowed. I, you know, I worked in a car wash and when Karen and I got married, I was working in a car wash. And so my family worked very, very hard and we didn't have any discretionary income. We just, we survived. So when Karen and I got married, I was working for my uncle at his appliance store and I was making $7,000 a year. That was my total income. I went to college. I was doing that and Karen was a stay-at-home mom. And we lived in government housing. Um, you had to be broke to qualify and we qualified instantly. 
and our, your house payment was based on your income and our house payment was $109 a month. And so it, we were, but we were just overjoyed, you know, to have a place to live. And so we went to church living in that house at that time. We went to church one Sunday and the preacher was preaching on giving. Well, I had, I had never even thought about the concept of giving money to a church, you know. So the preacher stood up and started talking about us giving 10% of our income to the church. I thought, he's crazy. I feel a lot sorry for me, more sorry for me than I do this church. I'm, there's no way. I, I was just disgusted. And I just folded my arms and I thought, I'm never coming back to this place. You know, preaching on giving, wanting my money. So we, we go home and I'm just, you know, I just kind of put it out of my mind when we get home. And Karen walks up and says, I like that preacher's message. <laughs> what? And she said, Jimmy, can I give $40 to the church? I mean, I, 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 just, did, I just thought I was gonna die. So she gives $40 to the church. So for two weeks, we didn't get any more money in or anything like that. Two weeks goes by and we're tr I'm trying to survive to the next paycheck. And nothing you know, happens mysterious or anything like that. But at the end of two weeks, we had money in the bank. For the first time ever, we had money in the bank. And, and so I thought, oh, thank God we survived that. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Karen walks up and says, can I give 40 more dollars? I said, oh, Karen, oh no, 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 don't, no. We survived, we survived that $40 thing that you did. But she was very sweet in a kind of an evil way. And she, can I give another $40? It's like, Karen, you wanna give again? Yes, I'd, I'd like to give again. Well, whatever you think, whatever you think. You know, so she gave again. Same thing happened again. I, I can't put a calculator to it. I can't, no big checks came in the mail. But I'm just saying something happened in our finances that even caused my hard heart to start thinking God was up to something. And then she gave again. Then she gave again. Then she gave again. Then I remember the first time we wrote a check that represented 10% of our income. And I thought, I'm pretty much the most spiritual man on earth. And then... <laughs> And of course, then it was our giving. <laughs> we give to the Lord. So that preacher disgusted me. And he changed our family for generations. Our children tithe off the first money they ever got in their lives. And they have given since the day they were little bitty kids, They're givers. See, we were first generation givers. It was really hard on me. Giving broke a spirit of poverty off my life and an orphan spirit off of my life. And I know God because of giving. Sometimes when I preach on giving, it makes people mad. I understand that, totally understand it. But I'm your best friend. And generations from now, your life will be different if you give to the Lord. I laid down my dream of having money and God has blessed us in ways that are unbelievable. About 15 years ago, I was preaching in Amarillo and we were building a church and raising money to build the church and I, I preached a message and asked people to go home and pray and bring their gift back for the building, the special building offering. And um, Karen and I had a dream of building a home. We, we've always just wanted to build a home that we, you know, like we wanted it. And so as I was praying one morning, I said, Lord, how much do you want us to give? 
to this offering. The Lord said, give everything. And I was thinking about, you know, our dream of a home. And, um, and I knew it was the Lord. Well, I mean, I, knew, I know the voice of the Lord. I knew the Lord was saying me give everything. So Karen was praying too, and she came in one day and, and she said, well, what, how much are we gonna give this offering this weekend? I said, well, what, what did the Lord say to you? And uh, you, know, you know how that goes. And she said, no, what did the Lord say to you? I said, what did the Lord say to you, Karen? She said, no, what did the Lord say to you? I said, Karen, this may not be the Lord. But the Lord said, give everything. Karen said, that's what he said to me. So we didn't sell our houses or our cars, but we took stock savings and all the money in our checking account. And we wrote out a check that represented all of that. So a couple of months later, Karen's parents called us and they said, hey, we've been thinking about, you know, planning for the future and, you know, we don't want to wait until we die to bless our kids. So if y'all will build a house, we'll pay for it. And we did. And we were not easy on them. <laughs> we live in our dream home. It's paid for. If you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And I'm not promising you that everything will go a lot perfect in your life and there's a slot machine that you pull the lever and everything happens perfect. I am promising you, if you lay down your dream for Jesus, that you'll get the dream that you're wanting. I'm telling you, if you'll put God's dream in front of your dream, that you'll find your dream. And if there's something wrong with your dream, it's just gonna die so that it doesn't ruin anything in your life, your marriage or anything else in your life. But if your dream is a righteous dream, the dream of a future, the dream of a ministry, the dream of a family, the dream of something good, when you lay down your dream, Jesus said, wherever the gospel's preached in all the world, You talk about this. And that's what I'm doing right now. That woman became famous by laying her dream down for God's dream. What's your alabaster vial? What's your dream? Let me give you some questions as we close. Do you have an unsurrendered dream in your life that is keeping you from serving the Lord or giving obediently? That's an important question. Is your dream coming before God's dream? Here's another important question. Do you have an unsurrendered dream that is causing problems in your marriage or family? Like my sports, maybe it's your business, maybe it's you know, something else. But your dream is coming before your marriage and your spouse resents it and it's causing you problems. Hey guys, we are Dave and Ashley Willis, and we're continuing the conversation on how we can fly high in our marriages. Today, we're gonna to talk about how God gives each and every one of us a dream and how we really should choose to pursue God's dream over our own dreams. And there's one really important point we need to remember here, and that's that God is never going to give us a dream that is someone else's nightmare. And I think that so many times we can be feeling like God's given us a particular dream that we wanna pursue, but sometimes 
that dream can take us away from our spouse. And what we need to remember is God is never gonna give us a dream that's gonna be detrimental to our family. No, it's so true. The dream that he wants to place in your heart is something that's gonna bring glory to him, and it's right. also gonna be something that, that blesses the people around you. If your dream is self-focused, which a lot mm -hmm. of our superficial, selfish dreams can be, it'll actually hurt the people around you. It'll hurt God's heart, and ultimately, it will hurt you, that, that, that dream of just pushing everybody else aside and doing what you think you wanna do. Yeah. And so how do we get to a place where we can decipher between the two? Like, God, what, what's your dream for my life, and how is that conflicting with what I feel like I want for my life? And how do I lay down whatever bad dream I'm holding on to so that I can pursue your dream? You know, I, I love that verse that, that talks about as, as we follow God, as we give him everything that, that we have, that he'll direct our steps and that right. he will be the one to actually give us the desires of our heart, as it says in Psalms. And so how do we get to that place? I think first and foremost, it's through prayer. You know, when we pray to the Lord and ask him for something, he says to come to him and to ask, and that he will, you know, so he says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. You know, we need to keep on praying and asking big prayers for the things that we feel like God is calling us to, but we also need to always end those prayers with saying, but your will be done, Lord, because his will is so much bigger and better than our will. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in thinking, but this is what my dream is. This is what I feel like God's called me to do. But what you'll find is God will often use parts of your dream and those strengths and those gifts that he gave you, and he will use them in an even greater way. But it takes us surrendering to him through prayer on a daily basis. Yeah, that's, that's so good. You know, God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but really what he wants even more is to bring the desires of your heart in line with right. the desires of his heart. And the more we pray, the more we grow in our relationship with him, the more your heart and the heartbeat of Jesus are going to be in sync. And so as you're looking at your own prayers, I would ask some hard questions to think, mm -hmm. is what I'm dreaming, is it because I want validation from people? Is it because I want praise for myself? Or is it because I wanna bring glory to God? I think a second important task or question to ask along with number one prayer is number two, is this dream going to bless God or is this dream going to potentially take me further away from God? Yes. Every dream God places on your heart is gonna bring you closer to him and closer to the people that matter most, your spouse, your family. And if your dream isn't doing those things, then I think it's time to hit the pause button on it and say, there might be some desires there, like Ashley said, that are good and natural, good desires. God's given me these abilities I wanna use. But at the same time, if I pursue this dream right now the way I wanna do it in this season of my life, it could hurt my marriage, it could hurt my faith, and that's just a compromise God's never gonna call you to. He never calls you to compromise his standards as a way to reach his will for your life. Right. He's always gonna create a path for you that if you're faithful and you follow his will, he's gonna lead you where he wants you to go. And it might look different than what you thought you wanted, but his plan is always gonna be better. Absolutely, and I think we also need to ask ourselves, is this dream that I have in my heart, is this gonna be a blessing to my family or will it be detrimental? Because God is never going to call you to something that's gonna be tearing your family apart. And we need to always remember that because I do think sometimes we're like, well, this is, this is you know, mission work or this is ministry. And those are two great things. But if we're doing this at the expense of our loved ones, then that's not what God's gonna call us to because our first ministry, our first mission in life is, is our, our, our family that he's given to us. And that's our spouse and our kids. And so we have to put them first. We cannot let some other dream you know, take us away from them and cause a lot of problems in our marriage. It's true, so dream together with your spouse. Don't right. just let it be his dreams and her dreams, but as you pray, ask God to put a collective dream with the two of you. Yes. And it'll be, it's amazing what will happen in your marriage and your faith when you're living out a God-ordained dream together as husband and wife.
Right. We hope that encourages you today. Thanks so much for watching. You can continue the conversation with us at marriagetoday.com. We'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today.